0: And could going to be looking at Mark chapter 13. But of that day, it's a phrase that's found in this chapter, but of that day. So Mark 13, 32, but of that day, an hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. So let's say a word of prayer for the teaching of his word tonight. Father, we thank you for giving us your word. Help us, Lord, to hear what the Spirit is saying to us this night. Help us, Lord, to be aware of what's going on in our world. Help us to be attentive to these things that we know would know how we ought to walk and to please you in the days and the times that we live. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So tonight I'm going to do kind of an overview of Mark 13. I'm not going to read every single verse in the chapter, but we're going to go through the chapter and pick up the theme of the chapter, the talking about the end times. And so we'll do that and broke it into three portions, but also in each portion, talk about some of the things going on in our world. And there's so much that could be, talked about, and uh, as I was looking through and just trying to figure out, not teaching Mark 13, although I want to rightly teach the Word of God tonight, but looking at events and trying to tie it to the passage that we're looking at tonight, or just merely looking at events going on in our world. Um, I was learning things today that I hadn't heard yet, and there's so much that uh, yeah, there's a lot that could be talked about here. And so we're going to begin in the signs of the time, verses 1 through 13. When it begins the chapter with Jesus departing from the temple, when one of his disciples boasted about the massive stones and the beauty of the temple, and to the amazements of the disciples, in verse 2, Jesus said, Do you see these great buildings? Now one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So we need to kind of understand, according to the word of God in John 2.20, they have been remodeling, adding on, expanding the temple grounds for 46 years. John 2.20 tells us that number. This is about three years later. So for 49 years, they have been working on the temple, making repairs, bringing additions to the temple, making it a a grand place for the people to come and to worship God. For 46 years, in reality, it was not completed until 62, somewhere between 62, 64 um, before Christ, a common era, they like to use CE today. It took more than 80 years after Herod the Great commenced the building or the remodeling of the temple that 80 years of people working there at the temple. They said when um, the temple workers stopped that there was something like 18,000 unemployed temple builders. That could hurt any economy to have so many people going out of work at one time. But in less than a decade, by 70 AD, the whole thing was destroyed with fire and tore down, not one stone remaining upon another. So I was looking up the temple today and I saw last year there was some a Jewish rabbi that decided he would start making stones for the temple, the third temple, there is no temple in Jerusalem right now. And it looked like they had a rug in their living room and some hammers and chisels and some rock about this big, maybe a uh, heavy rock, but nothing extraordinarily large. And I don't know what the third temple will look like, but we do know that the longest single stone being measured on the foundation, everything above the foundation was tore down by the Romans in 70 A.D. But of the foundation, the longest measured stone is 45 feet, 6 inches long. And these stones are sometimes 6 feet to 8 feet, 6 feet in height, 8 feet thick, uh, very thick walls. The heaviest stone is estimated of weighing 570 tons. So, a ton is 2,000 pounds. So, 570 times two. Uh, that's a lot of weight there. And yet, everything above the foundation was thrown down. Now, maybe the stones above the foundation were not as large, but we've, Lily and I have personally seen some of those stones that they have excavated at the southern end of the Temple Mount. And I can tell you that they were large stones. So Jesus gave a prophecy. The disciples were taken back by it. In 13, Mark thirteen three and 4, that evening as they sat on the Mount of Olives, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked Jesus, verse 4, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign when these things will be fulfilled? So, um The temple is on Mount Moriah, and east of Mount Moriah, divided by the Kidron Valley, is the Mount of Olives. And so they're sitting across and looking at the temple from that vantage point, and they're asking... When will these things be? What will be the sign when these things will be fulfilled? And so, Jesus' response, we're going to be looking at that in Mark 13. It's really a twofold response. Some dealt with Israel's near future, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, while other parts deal with current and still future events. So, that's important for us to understand that when you read. Um, This from Mark's gospel, or you look at it from Matthew's account, that he was talking about near events, but also events that are still yet to come. So you view it a little bit historically, but also looking to the future. First of all, he tells them to take heed, don't be deceived, verses 5 through 8. Jesus first warned his disciples not to be deceived, saying, Many false messiahs would come in, in the name of Jesus, saying, I am he. They would come announcing that they were the Messiah. Well, maybe not using the name Jesus, but they were coming and saying that they were the Messiah. And truly, false prophets, false messiahs have deceived many be, before, during. So before this time that we're reading about here in Mark 13. But also during that time, they were false messiahs that are recorded in the book of Acts of two that came before the time of Christ and some that came after the time of Christ. And since that time, even today, they are those who say that they are the Messiah. And we've went through that and other prophecy updates looking at some who have claimed this messianic hope. So 1 John 4, 1 tells us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we have a responsibility to test the spirits, to know if they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And how do we test the spirit? It's by knowing, learning the word of God. Jesus also told of rumors of wars of earthquakes, of famines, of troubles, wars themselves. And in verse 8, he said, these are the beginning of sorrows. A statement that I believe is no longer true. They are not the beginning of sorrows back then, 2,000 years ago, yes. But now those sorrows are, no doubt, um, we are toward the end of those sorrows as in the last hundred years, we've seen an increase of these things throughout our world, that of wars, great wars even currently going on, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, troubles, these things seem to be rapidly increasing. But Jesus promised us in John fourteen twenty-seven, saying, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And quite often we are afraid. We're afraid of the circumstances that we find perhaps in our country today or the wars that are going on, especially the big one right now over in Ukraine with Russia attacking Ukraine. But here in Mark 13, they're talking about temple mounts. And so I want to, just kind of give us some headlines before we move on in this passage of some of the things going on in Israel. One of the big news that has come out of Israel at the end of December was that Benjamin Netanyahu has become the prime minister for the sixth time. Now, you think six times Well, we need to understand how their government works and they do have elections by the people and he was elected, but it's the Knesset of 120 um, members serving the Knesset. They need a majority to become prime minister and no party has a 61 person majority, so they have to use different groups to make it become a reality. And for some of these that he had been prime minister for, he was only by 61 votes. He just made it. You have one person pull out, they can call for a new government, and you have to start over the process again. And that's what has been happening in Israel for several years. But now he has a strong majority of 64. It doesn't seem that strong to us, but Israel is reporting that he not only has a strong majority, but he has a far-right government, the most religious and hardline in Israel's history with the majority that he has now. So he was first prime minister in 1996 to 1999, and then he had a long stretch from 2006 to 2013. And then he went into that... uh, the government having to reform, collapsing, reforming. And he was actually prime minister number 32, 33, 34, and 35. But they were short-lived, sometimes less than just a few months. And they'd call for a new government or just over a year. And so December 22nd, on the 20, December 29th, 2022, I was looking at the 2022, got the 22nd out of that, uh, winning 64 seats in the Knesset. But the government is sparking fears of military es- escalation in the West Bank and the worst violence that they've had with the Palestinian territory in over 20 years. And there are a lot of people protesting in Tel Aviv this weekend, 80,000 I think was recorded in protesting the new government and some of the plans that are being made there, especially with their judicial system that they have. They're planning on making changes. So there's a lot of tension in Israel right now from without and also from within. Another thing's going on that's really interesting, um, and you have to think about this. We think the numbers, as you look at this, it may not Really mean much, but we flew over to Israel. I've only been there once. And uh, while we were there, Yasser Arafat died, and so they closed Temple Mount. And we didn't have a chance to go up on Temple Mount because they were fearing um, possible riots. The day before we got to Jerusalem, one of the tour bus buses had been stoned by Arabs or Palestinians there, and so they were on high alert, and we didn't get to go up to the top of Temple Mount. I've been at the base. I've been at the wailing wall. We were able to touch the stones there, but we didn't ascend to the top because um, Jordan is actually in control of Temple Mount. The Islam is in control of the Temple Mount, um last year, though, Jews, Jewish visits to Temple Mount hit a modern record of 51,483 going up to the holy site. So we think, well, 51,000, that's not much. The year before, it was a previous high number of 34,651 in 2021. Most Jews, when they go there, they go to the Wailing Wall. They go there to the Prey where um, they are in control of that area down there. But to ascend Temple Mount, you're not allowed to pray there. If you're Christian or Jew, you can't pray, you can't laugh. There's so many restrictions. It makes it difficult for people actually to go up to Temple Mount. So that might be why the numbers seem so low, and yet they're actually actually very high but it, for the first time, crossing over in recent history, over fifty thousand Jewish people going up to visit Temple Mount, well, to see the site where the first and second temples were built, and the holiest site in Judaism, and uh, under the trust trusteeship of the Muslims right now, it makes it difficult for them to ascend, but something's happening if the Jews are beginning to cluster there, it seems that they are perhaps thinking of a future temple as well. Also, we've seen the Abraham Accords on September 2022 marked the second anniversary of the Abraham Accords that originally brought peace between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. And then quickly after that, Bahrain, Sudan and Morocco also joined in the Abraham Accords. And uh, this was an init- initiative of the Trump administration. And just last December, December 6th through the 9th, in Rome, there was the first annual Abraham Accords Global Leadership Summit. And so now other nations and dign- dignitaries are coming To learn about how peace might be achieved in the Middle East and many participants coming together and they're talking about plans to go into Africa Central America and Asia as well so the Abraham Accords are uh, actually thriving and doing well as far as the economy is concerned which I think I read this and only with the United Arab Emirates that it brought Uh, revenue of over I think it was five billion dollars into Israel because of the Abraham Accords so people are interested and at the same time the Palestinians as I had said uh, there's hot tensions there haven't been like that in over 20 years that's partly why Benjamin Netanyahu um, is probably Prime Minister again because He had a good control on that activity while he was prime minister. But just um, this article is from January 18th. That's today. Um, More than 90 countries issued a signed statement this week calling on Israel to reverse sanctions against the Palestinian Authority after it pushed for Israel to be investigated by the International Court of Justice. Now you have to think about this is in the UN and you have to consider that in the UN there are a lot of votes that go against Israel on a lot of different things all the time. They're probably the most voted against country there at the UN. But there's tension there in Israel today. And so it's important for us and I I have to confess to you with all that's happened in the last three years, In the world and in our nation, it's hard to keep an eye on Israel, but we are to watch as part of what Mark 13 tells us to do. So the Great Tribulation 9 through 23, it tells us, watch, preach, but don't worry, verses 9 through 11, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my namesake, for the testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So watch, preach, and don't worry. And then initially he says... You're going to be delivered up. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be beaten. Uh, You're going to be brought before rulers and kings. Don't worry. Well, the don't worry is don't worry about your defense. Depend on the words of the Lord that he will give you in the hour of your defense that the Holy Spirit will be speaking through you. So persecution should not surprise us since the church was birthed with Jesus' death on the cross and also the great persecution that came during the time of uh, the book of Acts and the epistles. They had a season where there wasn't persecution, but that season was short-lived. But the church itself was birthed through persecution. It continues to this day. We see laws continually changing here in the United States, going against Christianity And those who want to live their lives in accordance to God's word in the U.S. and beyond COVID pandemics led to fines, lawsuits, and even arrests for pastors who have battled to keep their churches open. That was especially true in um, Canada, but the fines were here in the United States as well. Jesus told of believers being brought before rulers and kings. Yet they were not to worry about their defense that the Holy Spirit would give them the words to speak. And we may never stand before rulers or kings, but how about the courts? Christian businesses are continually being sued where courts attempt to force Christians to run their businesses in a way that go against God's word just this day. The news was about a hockey player, I don't even know what team he was on, but their team was supposed to do warm-ups with pride jerseys and rainbow hockey sticks, and he refused to wear the jersey or use the stick, and uh, so that was the press conference afterwards, and he said, I have one statement to make, basically, that this... I don't have anything against anybody, but this goes against my faith, and I can't do this. And Of course, they wanted to ask why and to uh, drill down deeper on why, and he said, hey, if you want to talk about hockey, I'll talk to you about anything regarding hockey, but I'm not saying any more on this subject. And so that's happening in our nation. One of the major concerns for churches, for Christian businesses In the U.S. is the H.R. 5 Equality Act. The Equality Act has two major goals. It would amend the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include sexual orientation, gender identity, to the definition of sex. It would also undermine the Religious Freedom Restoration Act by allowing gay rights to trump religious rights. So this bill has passed the House Um, It is currently in the Senate, but has not passed. It passed the House last year. It's been stalled in the Senate, but since the elections, um, there isn't a 50-50 tie in our Senate anymore between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats have the majority. So if they want to pass this bill, which they very much might, uh, they should have no problem. So that's how the bill stands. I'm not sure. I'll just tell you that I'm not sure. That was last year, the Equity Act. But they did pass the Respect for Marriage Act. So they could have just renamed the bill, came at it from a different direction. So when I looked up the bill in the U.S. government, it said that it's introduced in Senate. That's where it is. In the House, it said it passed. So the... H.R. 5 Equity Act passed in the House, but not through the Senate yet. But they did, both the House and Senate did pass in December, the Respect for Marriage Act. And uh, it said in this that the bill, it's very similar, recognizes all marriages, regardless of sex, race, ethnicity, and National origin, assuming marriage was valid in the state or country where it was performed. So all marriages. So this is going to be a one of those slippery slope things where it's going to open up marriage to. Right now, uh, they're saying with you know straight couples and homosexual couples or trans couples, but this will get larger than just what is worded here, but also. It didn't provide any new religious freedom protections. So right now they're saying this is not against the church. Churches, you guys will be fine. You won't be forced to, you know, for our church, we um, don't hold gay marriage ceremonies here. Uh, You won't be forced to do that. But it has left open uh, lawsuits to come our way. And so a lot of times they don't, Actually go after through laws, but they do it through litigation, through lawsuits. And sometimes a small church are like us. It would just crush us to be in a lawsuit like that. And so they go after it a different way. So that has been passed. We don't know what the outcome will be. But think about the attacks that's been against Christian businesses. Well, this will only intensify that. Churches may be, for a time being, protected, but I doubt if Christian businesses will be. So verse 12, Jesus told of another heartache that would be taking place of brothers, fathers, children revolting against their beloved ones, their believing loved ones, even putting them to death, and this is happening in other parts of the world especially, but also we see in our own world that here in the United States, the church attendance is going down at a rate that uh, is declining quickly. I read one thing today that said by 2070 that Christianity in the United States would no longer be the majority religion if it continues on this trend. Jesus said in Mark 13:13, 13, 13, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So church attendance, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, church attendance was at a all-time low, but the pandemic itself has just helped people to stop going to church, uh, stop attending churches. And so a third of those who are surveyed now in 2022 say they never attend a worship service. A third who are surveyed, never attend a worship service. So the general s- survey found that 41% of America's be- Americans between 18 and 29 say they never attend services. 20% say they attend more than once a month. The decline, as I said, um, happened during the COVID p- pandemic, but churches have reopened, and yet The decline keeps happening in our nation. So here's a statistic. The median congregation site in the United States dropped from 137 people in the year 2000. And so when they count that, Calvary Chapel's always got used to counting adults because they didn't allow at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. They're so busy with people They didn't allow children in the sanctuary, so they knew how many adults were in the sanctuary because they'd fill up the 3,000-seat auditorium three times every Sunday morning, plus they had overflow. So not technically counting like the old churches that counted every person, but in this survey, they're talking, you know, the adults, the teens, the children. So the old average median congregation in the church, 137 People in the year 2000. Now in 2020, 65 people. So that's nearly. Um, it is just over a 50 percent drop in the median-sized church, and, and and it's being it's affecting smaller churches. So here we have. I'll read the survey again. Those Americans who do attend. Sur- services often go to large congregations leaving many smaller local churches that's us houses of worship in difficult difficult straits most congregations have seen attendance decline by about a quarter during the pandemic and the decline has hit smaller churches particularly hard most churches say they have fewer than 100 people if 25 people are missing from those churches, it has a huge impact. So what did I ask our church to do on Sunday? To join me and my prayer for 10 families, because I didn't even read this till today, but it fits perfect with what we're seeing happening in our own congregation. And now with hyper everything hyper-intentional now, they're saying that the focus is not how do we recreate what we used to have, but how do we do church better? And and we ask those questions as well. So the Great Tribulation, 14 through 23, Jesus warns of a coming Great Tribulation that will come on the whole earth. And this is still a future event, something I've been taught since I was a child. When Jesus said, In verse 14, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. So the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel found in the ninth and twelfth chapters of the book of Daniel speaks about a coming world leader that will make a covenant with Israel for a period of seven years, allow them to rebuild their temple At the end of three and a half years, uh, this coming world leader will stop this temple sacrifices. And this really shows us that a third temple is necessary for things to come to pass as written in Scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2. 3 through 12 talks about the Antichrist coming and exalting himself in verse 4 so that he sits as God in the temple of God. In verse 9, having many deceiving powers, signs and lying wonders. In verse 12, because they did not believe the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the great tribulation will be so devastating, especially in Jerusalem, that Jesus told his followers to flee to the mountains with such urgency that a person on their rooftop, they had flat roofs there, they would use their flat roofs. If you're on the rooftop, don't even go into your house, just flee. If you're out in the uh, field, working in the field, don't go back to your homes to get clothes. He said, if pregnant or nursing women, they would have the hardest time, especially if it happened during the winter And thus they should flee to the mountains with haste, not turn back. 19 and 20, it says, For in those days there will be a tribulation, such as has not been seen since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor shall it ever be. And unless the Lord has shortened these days, no flesh will be saved or would be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he chose he will shorten those days and finally Jesus repeats the warning of the false christ false prophets in 22 through 23 saying that they would rise and show signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the del- the elect but take heed see i've told you things these things beforehand so take heed so if possible they'll deceive even the elect Paul talks about the coming lawless one in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10, saying that the coming of the lawless lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And as God's elect, how are we to keep from being deceived? Well, first... You have to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, That's the first step of it. Know Jesus as your Savior. Number two, we have to be students of God's Word. Jesus said, whosoever reads, let him understand. We need to be students of the Word of God, have that understanding to help us to see truth. Also being part of a church church, where a church that's teaching the whole counsel of God's word. And I added a fourth thing to this. I had this list of three before, but I added a fourth today. Seek your spiritual giftings and use them. Seek the spiritual giftings and use them. And so do not be deceived. And there's only one true way that we can keep from being deceived, coming to the true Christ, the prophet, the son of man, Jesus Christ. So I said I was learning stuff today as I was looking at some of the things going on in our world. And uh, we in the United States might talk about the $100 billion that's been sent over to Ukraine. Maybe not all that money has made it there yet, but they have slated now um, you know, $40 billion and then they added to it. It's over $100 billion now, but here's something I did not know. The U.S. is tapping into its ammunition storage in Israel to boost Ukraine's stockpile of, of shells. Uh, New York Times reported on Tuesday, and this is from this week. I'm just making sure I have. Yes, this is actually today's. So yesterday they're reporting this. Americans-armed manufacturers are unable to keep up with Ukraine's tremendous needs in the war, so the Pentagon is draining its two emergency stockpiles in South Korea and Israel, according to the Times. Israel has consistently refused to supply weapons to Ukraine out of fear that it would damage their relationship with Moscow. And now it's being complicated because it's kind of being armed by the US through Israel. And it was something that Israel has been allowed to use when war has come to Israel. So I don't know where this is all leading, but right now it seems like all the our funds are going over to Ukraine to prevent this third world war. but. We're also losing our stockpiles, and those that have been placed in Israel and South Korea, they place them there that they won't have to ship from the United States. If there's a conflict, they have stuff kind of in a general location that's quick to get to. Well, they may not have anything too much to get to. It reminded me also of our oil reserves that was filled up during the Trump administration that have quickly been drained during the Biden administration. We are not having anything to fall back on, which really leaves the United States in a very dangerous position. Meanwhile, in Illinois, billions of new taxes have taken effect under Pritzker, our governor. Right now he's over at the World Economic Forum uh, trying to, Bring in the New World Order, which he's trying to bring in right here in the United States. So most expansive abortion laws in the country here in Illinois, taxpayer-funded gender, gender transitioning, and the only state eliminating cash bail amidst record violent crimes. There's record violent crimes, and other um, states and mostly major cities have eliminated the cash bail, but it's proved to be worse for those states and cities and now we've done it also uh, legalization of marijuana super rights for unions that was that uh, workers right amendment that passed which you know they vote yes for worker ro- ro- workers wa- rights uh, there was nine laws that protected the rights of workers in the united states the amendment that passed last November abolished those and now we have basically super rights for the unions it's going to protect the unions and their workers but not the general people who thought they were voting for workers rights who are not union people so it's a mess but here's some things that has happened Just in the last uh, little bit here, a couple of weeks ago, HB 5471, gun ban, gun registration, and magazine limits was passed and signed into law by Governor Prisker. HB 4412, wind and solar site regulations. This bill takes away a county or township's local control regarding setbacks for wind and solar installations. Now everything has to go to a statewide standard, which means that solar farms can be as close to 150 feet from people's homes, instead of putting them out somewhere else. It'll never be 150 feet from a rich person's home, but it'll get our homes, I'm sure. Um, this bill also includes $2 million in fundings to provide customers with rebates. We think, wait, $2 million, man, that should be great, an average of less than $150 for each home. So not going to go that far. So the economy is not great here in Illinois. Things are very difficult, but the Democrats voted in Illinois to receive a 17% pay raise for the legislators in Illinois, and uh, the governor and constitutional officers, well, they only get 8% pay raise. So things are bad, things are tight, let's get a raise. It's gonna cost the state $2.1 million in the first year. Abortion expansion also was passed a bill that protects doctors from other states that have been disciplined in their states for performing abortions to come and practice in Illinois. So we don't care what happens in other states, just come to Illinois. And also the bill allows um, for no co or deductible for gender-affirming care and also lets physicians' assist assistants perform surgical abortions so doctors don't even have to do it. And then finally, they gave the governor a slush fund of some $400 million that he could use at his discretion. That's happening in Illinois. Does it make you happy? Not me. I've been learning things today, though. Let's get back to the Word, 24 through 37, finishing out the chapter. In those days, they'll be shortened when Jesus is coming. When he comes, verse 26, "...in the clouds with great power and glory." And so 24 through 27 tells us the heavens will be shaken. Talking about before Jesus' return, as believers, we will already be with Jesus by this point, but there will be cataclysmic events taking place on the earth. And I see uh, some of these things going on in our world. I, I think the Lord is just preparing us for his soon return But the purpose of his coming is to gather together his elect from the four winds, from the furthest part of the earth to the furthest part of the heaven. Verse 27, the elect here refers to those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Especially there during the tribulation period, there'll still be people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. There will be a day when Jesus returns for his church, which is known as the rapture to prevent us from going through the tribulation period, that is to come upon the earth. But not all believers will die before they go to be with the Lord. Some will be caught up together with the Lord in the air, changed from corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortality, as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians four sixteen through 18. So Jesus said, learn the parable of the fig tree. That's why I like to keep up on what's going on in Israel because the fig tree refers to the nation of Israel often in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. Talking about the nation of Israel, Jesus said, watch the parable of the fig tree. Watch Israel. Watch Israel for when you see these things happening, know that the time is near. So we are to, verses 32 through 37, take heed, watch and pray of that day and hour. No one knows neither the angels nor the son of man, but only the father. So what are we to do? We are to take heed. We're to watch and we are to pray for the coming of our Lord is near And so, like servants waiting for their master, not knowing when the master would return, the day or the hour of his return, they were to always be ready. And we are to be that way as his church, always prepared for the Lord's coming, not to be caught unaware, as those were caught unaware in the days of Noah. They were busy securing their earthly dwellings, uh, getting married, partying, they forgot to secure their heavenly dwelling through faith in God. Jesus said in verse 37 then to watch. Well, this week, the World Economic Forum is having their annual meeting. And so this is day three. It began on the 16th, 17th. It's the 18th. So they have two more days following today, which over there, it's already tomorrow because of the time change. But. This is, uh, I went to their website to see what was going on, the World Economic Forum. This is their homepage. The war in Ukraine has exacerbated a fragile geopolitical and security landscape. Both leadership is required not only to restore peace and security in Europe, but also for the world. And in the time of grave challenges, how can leaders collaborate? and cooperate to defend our collective security. And then on another page that talked about uh, what they would be doing, they continued saying that the twin triggers of the COVID pandemic and the war have rattled an already brittle global system. Economic growth in the world's largest economies is stalling while navigating headwinds from rising food and energy prices. Now, the rising food and energy prices is because of the laws that have been put into play, uh, stopping the use of oil over wind farms or natural gas over wind farms and stuff. They're causing a lot of this, but nonetheless, they are here. So here's five things that they wanted to address. This is from their their meeting overview page on the World Economic Forum you can look up these 5 things as well addressing the current energy and food crisis in the context of a new system for energy climate and nature number 2 addressing the current high inflation low growth high debt economy in the current new system for in the context of a new system for investment trade and infrastructure Infrastructure, an interesting word. I think we passed an infrastructure bill here in the United States. We know where they're getting their cues from. Number three, addressing a current industry headwinds in the context of a new system for harnessing frontier technologies for private sector innovation and Resilience, number four, addressing the current social vulnerabilities in the context of a new system for work, skills, and care. Number five, addressing the current geopolitical risk in the context of a new system for dialogue and cooperation in a multipolar world. A new system, a new system, a new system, a new system, a new system. They are looking to set in a one-world government. So I looked up, uh, came across Jan Markell and her show that she has every Saturday. We air it on Tuesdays on our radio station here at 7 p.m. Talk about world events and stuff. But she wrote an article of the top 10 things that she saw, the top 10 Bible prophecy stories from 2022. And so I'm going to close reading some of these things. I found myself in the same yearly predicament how can we select ten top stories when a year in reality there's 110 prominent things happening during the year that as the last year is winding down and so here's her top ten the rise of the World Economic Forum top of the list and their rush to global governments. ten years ago you never heard of Klaus Schwab. You never heard about Yuval Noah Harari. Were you tracking them even five years ago? Today, many are aware of this crowd and their one-world intentions. We just read about that. Number two, the stirring up of the spirit of the Antichrist. We see a new lawlessness and rebellion in every aspect of society. Her ministry is out of Minneapolis, so she said... The current overdrive was sparked in my hometown of Minneapolis on May 2020 with the George Floyd ordeal. Now police forces are reduced to criminal are reduced. Criminals face no bail. Prosecutors encourage more lawlessness. But the spirit of the Antichrist is everywhere in our government, in our schools and more. Number three, government knows best. Trust it. That has been the mantra in the Western world for the past three years. Trust the government for vaccines, properly handling pandemics and other health issues to keep you well. Number four, the rise of the green dragon, the worship of Mother Earth. Entire continents have been caved to the religious or religion of climate change and environmentalism, and that's uh, Al Gore. And uh, John Kerry were both addressing that issue at the World Economic Forum. In fact, John Kerry said that they're gathering together. He said it's like being extraterrestrial, terrestrial today, like otherworldly. And my first thought is like, yeah, you guys probably do believe that you are little gods. And they worship Mother Earth rather than the loving father number five the race toward digital currency central bank digital currency and a cashless system that plays a prominent biblical end time roles right now these things are being explored in certain countries and uh... they are wanting to get to that place of biblical or not biblical but of digital currency Number six, the decline of America, the rise of radical liberalism and the lack of the world leader. And so it's tough to watch, but America is declining. We saw some of that today with giving up our oil reserves, our ammunition reserves to help this war in Ukraine, and really um, giving up our drive for commerce, giving everything over the last few decades over to China we love the cheap prices, but our country has decline because of that. Number seven, Christians are canceled. Jews are under attack. Number eight, a rise of strong delusion and global deception. In our world where girls can become boys, boys can become girls. Trans identifying kids in the U.S. increased by almost 1,000% in the last two years alone, and babies being killed in the womb at any stage of life. Number nine, running amok, apostasy in the church. The last two years, thousands have gone woke, seeker-sensitive, and more, social justice has replaced salvation. Many churches... Um, Many teach that the church will make the world a better place. Even perfect and sheep are trying to find solid churches that teach the Bible and biblical prophecy. Number 10, the staggering rise of the paranormal occult call, sorcery called sorcery in the Bible. So there's a rise of worshiping the occult in our world. Just look at the TV shows that are on and are being dealt with in our nation itself, but throughout the world. So she closes out these ten points saying, What do you think the last days would look like? Believe the Bible when it calls our times perilous and filled with people possessing selfish, selfish, reckless motives. God is orchestrating events to wind up this amazing drama known as the church age. And the last act may be on display. Expect the trumpet, the shout any day. But as believers, what are we to do? Well, the Lord said, even telling his disciples, these things are going to come upon you. And they did, but I want you to take heed. I want you to watch. And I want you to pray. Father, help us to do that, that we would take heed, that we'd be aware of the events going on in our world. And, Kind of read the news stories, the newspapers, the Internet, uh, podcasts in view of what Scripture teaches. Give us that awareness, that understanding. Help us to be watchful, Lord, in this world that we would not be caught unaware, but also help us to keep praying, Lord, as your church. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to come upon your church in a special way, Lord. We pray, Lord, for your saving power to be upon those who are lost, those who are dying without knowing you. We pray, Lord, for your redeeming power to bring back those who have left the church, even those, Lord, who only in the last two or three years they're no longer coming to church. Lord, awaken them, awaken them once again to return to your fold. So be with us now, Lord. Thank you for your word this evening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.